Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. With, with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. All right, welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. On today's amazing podcast, we are again looking into what's been going on for a long while now with our so-called political leaders, Many are calling them traitors and their deals with China. There are stories about how deep the problem with China really is and the amounts of money that some of our political leaders have been raking in. But they all seem to be buried under the stories of military buildup and possible war in Ukraine, a war that seems to have solutions other than more troops on the ground. But of course, the Biden gang has sent troops on the ground. This is the same gang that abruptly withdrew troops from Afghanistan, leaving behind $75 billion worth of advanced U.S. military equipment. We're going to start the podcast with a short piece from part one of my interview with Peter Schweitzer and his book to get an idea on how bad the problem with China really is. I mean, it's alarming. The people are shocked by this. Nothing will happen, of course, because it cuts across both corrupt parties. I was going through the book, Peter, and we're going to talk about the big marquee names. Obviously, the big guy in the White House, it looks like a crime family to me. Let's start with him. Is it as bad as you say? Or are, And I'm going to take the other side, because every time Peter Schweitzer publishes a book, they say he's just a right wing guy. But you've gone after both left and right, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I mean, there's plenty of Republicans and Democrats in the book. Um, and, you know, you have to follow the facts where the facts go. I don't think there are right wing facts or left wing facts. <laughs> and the bottom line is, 
the bottom line is when you look at the Biden family, um, there, there are certain facts that are unassailable that have not been challenged. Uh, number one, that the Biden family got multiple deals in China. Um, these total up to $31 million. That's not my number. That's based on the numbers of the deals themselves. And number two, uh, what I but point what, out what in the book. But what did they get the 31 million? But, but Peter, your book is astounding. It's full of facts. It's documented, red-handed. In a normal country, if this was Sweden, Denmark, Norway, the country that the countries that the liberals seem to keep telling us we should be like, how long would the leader of the country stay in office? Well, they wouldn't be in office long. And Michael, look, you and I are both enough to, old enough to remember the uh, the Cold War. I mean, I mean, imagine if Jimmy Carter's family or Ronald Reagan's family was doing deals with Russian businessmen tied to the highest levels of the KGB. <laughs> I mean, there'd be alarm bells going off around Washington, D.C. That's essentially what the Bidens have done. Um, they got $31 million in a series of deals, and we trace back who actually made those deals happen. We used the Hunter Biden laptop emails, and we used emails from uh, one of Hunter's business partners who gave us access to his, his account. And every single one of those deals traces back to somebody with linked to the highest levels of Chinese intel- intelligence, including the vice minister in charge of, of the Ministry of State Security in charge of foreign espionage and the family of the former director of the Ministry of State Security who runs the entire spy apparatus. These are the people that made it rain, so to speak, for the Bidens and got them tens of millions of dollars in China. Well, what did they get the $31 million for? <laughs> uh, it's a great question. There's no discernible evidence. You know, one of the guys that uh, uh, helps Hunter uh, get part of a $20 million deal as a guy named Che Fang. Hunter in the email calls him the super chairman. That's kind of his nickname. Mm. And in one of the emails, Michael, he says, I don't believe in the lottery anymore, but I believe in the super chairman. Uh, The point being was, I think Hunter knew that he wasn't going to be expected to do anything. He was just looking for a payoff for a payday. Um, And that's everything they accused Trump of doing. He didn't do. And everything that they accuse Trump of doing, they are doing. Isn't that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at what was uh, what was uh, everyone was hyperventilating about in 2016, 2017, that that uh, Hunter, sorry, that uh, Donald Trump was going to do a hotel deal in Moscow. You know, right. Of course, there was no money that changed hands. But also, Hunter, Bi- sorry, <laughs> Donald Trump is in. <laughs> The hotel business is what he does. Right. Hunter Biden's getting this money yes. um, and, and he has no skill set whatsoever. All right. So they said there was Russia collusion, which there wasn't. But there's China collusion with regard to the Bidens, Feinstein, uh, um, Pelosi. But you say that it goes well beyond that. Silicon Valley gurus, Wall Street high rollers, Ivy League universities, professional athletes, all tripping over themselves to sacrifice American strength and security on the altar of personal enrichment in order to benefit what is apparently our arch enemy now, communist China. All true? Yep, absolutely. The biggest names, uh, you know, Bill Gates, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the Google guys, uh, all of them um, are doing things related to China that it's not an understatement to say are aiding and abetting China's challenge to the United States. So you look so, at a guy you know, like Bill Gates, what I'm Microsoft. worried about, Peter Schweitzer, the book is astounding. You know, in your book, Peter, which is astounding, I have to keep saying, I'm not saying it just because you're on the on the uh, on the podcast here. Red handed Peter Schweitzer, your books are one after the other, like blockbuster. Amazing. I haven't gotten to Pelosi. I'm saving this for the end and Feinstein because I live here. I have watched these dragon ladies destroy this city and this state for all the years I've lived here, which is since 1975 or four. This was once one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's why I moved here. I found freedom here. I I found, found the freedom. I was able to develop anything I wanted to be here. I was able to develop a great career, raise a family here. The University of California was once the best in the country. We had the best schools in the country. And then I saw these two dragon ladies who have been in power far too long because they have destroyed any opposition party in the country, as in China. It's a one party system in California. And I look at Feinstein and I see the stories about her husband partly owning a Chinese company that sold 
the American military, equipment that allowed China to spy on U.S. service member. What's his name? What's Feinstein's husband's name again? Richard Blum. Richard Blum. Richard Blum. And then uh, Pelosi has a wonderful hedge fund husband who we all know about insider trading, the accusations. Have they done business with China as well, uh, Madam Pelosi? Absolutely. Um, you know, Nancy Pelosi, early in her congressional career, used to be pretty critical of China. She famously oh, wait, wait, in the early I, 90s. Sorry, went wait, to- Bing, a bell just went off. I just last week released a tape from 1998 that my production people found in my archives. I've been looking for it for a year. She was on uh-huh. my radio show, critical of China, supporting Taiwan. Yep. And, and yep. I said to her, it was, uh, Congresswoman Pelosi, thank you for being with us. I know we disagree on most everything else, but we agree on China. And she, you can't believe this tape, Peter. She was a rational. <laughs> she was a rational yep. politician at the time. Yeah, what's happened since yep. 1998? Yep, she was. She used to be very uh, she went to Tiananmen Square and unfurled a banner criticizing human rights in China. And the police <laughs> came and took the banner away. I mean, this is what she used to do. And then her husband. Uh, Paul Pelosi started doing deals in China. He uh, became an investor partner in a in a fund that uh, he had ten million dollars invested in, um, got a million dollars a year in revenue from, uh, and that was invested in mainland China companies. Um, the big turn seems to have occurred at the two thousand eight Olympics. You remember Beijing was hosting those Olympics, and Pelosi initially came out and was in favor of the boycott saying, we need to boycott this. We shouldn't allow China to hold them. Then her husband, who owned two limousine companies, <laughs> got contracts to ferry VIPs around for the Beijing Olympics in China. And she changed her position. She said, no, I'm not in favor of boycott anymore. I think that's the wrong approach. Um, that seems to have been the turn in 2008. Then you get that uh, the big investment deal. Then her son Paul Pelosi Jr. links up with several companies, a natural resources company, an energy company. I named them in the book. They're trying to cut massive deals in China. He's spending all kinds of time over in Beijing. And now we have Nancy Pelosi, you know, where she is today. And she'll occasionally say some things that oh, are yeah. critical. Of, yeah, she, of, throws of China, a, but, she throws a bone every once in a while. I, I've seen her do it. That's her game. Yeah, uh, and this is this is important for people to understand. I mean, Beijing has a, uh, a a strategy that they're quite open about. It came from from the Maoist era and applies today. Loosely translated to English, it means big help with a little bad mouth. And what it basically means is, you know, if you want to talk about the Uyghurs a little bit, that's fine. If you want to talk about human rights, that's fine. As long as the big things that we really want, you support, which means access to Western capital access to Western society and access to our technology, they don't really care if you pop them for the Uyghurs every once in a while. And Nancy Pelosi knows that. And that's why she'll pay lip service to it. But Beijing is very happy because on the main important things that matter the most to them, she is in lockstep. Well, I ha- you have a whole chapter here in Red Hand about the Pelosi's. Feinstein is the most worrisome to me. What was that rumor yeah. about her having a having had a Chinese spy driving her for a number of years? Is that true? Well, he was uh, he was a driver and he was also an administrative aide. He worked for her for decades um, <laughs> in the FBI. The FBI um, came to her and said, look, we believe that this guy is working for a Chinese intelligence. She's kind of denied it, uh, but he was let go from his job. But. Nancy, uh, sorry, uh, Diane Feinstein, um, I think is the worst. And I think you're right to um, finger her as the one that's most troubling. She was the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Oh, God. And her husband, her husband was doing hundred million dollar plus deals in China at the time. But and you have this it, bizarre but, but situation. Peter, Peter, what sane nation on earth permits this to go on for as long as it's gone on? This is not one year. This is not two years. This is not five years. This is not 10 years. Feinstein has been doing this from the day she arrived on the political scene. I remember her as a corrupt mayor in this city. I remember how she ruined this city from the day she started. But nothing's happened. Nothing will happen. Yeah. 
And that's because the other party is just as corrupt, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's it's look, the, the parties are corrupt. I still think there are good people uh, that that are running for office that we need to support. And the biggest problem we have, Michael, is that people make excuses. You know, if they're conservative Republicans, even if there's somebody who's corrupt on their side, they'll make excuses for them. Same thing with liberal Democrats. Well, I get the we same can't do thing. that. Anymore. If, if, uh, Peter, listen, if I criticize anyone in the media who happens to be a favorite of, let's say they overlap to listening to me, they say, you're not being loyal. We've all got to stick together. I said, are you crazy? What do you think that we're a team that meets for drinks every night? You don't understand <laughs> that most of the people in the media who pretend to be your friends and pretend to be conservative, they're just like Mitch McConnell. They're in it for the money and they could care less about America, but I'm not here to knock anyone. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Have you become a victim of the timeshare trap? You think there's no way out? Well, Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has helped over 35,000 families out of financial hardship by getting them out of bad timeshares, and they may be able to help you too. Listen, if your timeshare agreement goes on forever, if you were told timeshares are a great investment or your maintenance fees will never go up, you need to get the facts about timeshare cancellation. For over 10 years, Wesley Financial Group has been dedicated to helping folks get out of a lifetime of debt by canceling their timeshares. So they created a free timeshare exit information kit that reveals how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation. To get your free timeshare exit information kit, simply go to iCancelTimeshare.com. That's iCancelTimeshare.com. I'll say it one more time. I cancel timeshare.com. Thank you very much. I cancel timeshare.com. And now here is part two of this fascinating interview with Peter Schweitzer. With this character, you know, I've called it the, the um, Biden crime family for a few months now. And it's worried me to even say it because, you know, those are not just words. How far away are we from targeted assassinations as they have in Mexico amongst those who are critical of the Mexican corrupt narco state? How far away are we from this is like a narco state in this country right now, by what I'm hearing and reading your book? Well, yes, you're 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 dealing with a situation where elites are they have tied their political and financial fortunes to this idea that we are supposed to continue to allow China to conduct itself this way. The whole issue of the COVID uh, virus, you know, we know it came from China. There's a lot of strong evidence it came from a laboratory leak. Nancy Pelosi, as Speaker of the House, for two years now, has refused for there to even be a hearing on Capitol Hill to even discuss the notion. Do they make Uh, the ice cream? Do they make the ice cream she is? said to love do they make the ingredients in china do, do the pistachio nuts come from from some region of china <laughs> well remember joe biden likes ice cream too so they're 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 oh, okay so ice cream runs through, the, the 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 ice cream runs through all of this huh and the natural ingredients come from china maybe the pine nuts come from the northern chinese forests well, <laughs> Peter, you know, at least we can laugh with each other. And I think I think that that's a positive thing that you you're able to get a book like this red handed even published. What has the reception been? I understand generally they called you every name under the sun, but you still got it published. It's still creating waves. As I said at the outset of the interview, even even ABC News is suddenly taking note of what you're saying. Are you getting any support from the MSM? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, and that's to be expected. And the strategy that, that the Bidens, Mitch McConnell, that Wall Street and tech, their, their approach is going to be just to pretend that this book has not been published. They're just going to ignore it. That's always their strategy. What's encouraging, Michael, is the American people get it and they're focused on it. The book has been number one on all of Amazon this entire first week. Wait, hold uh, on, hold on, launched. hold on, hold on, hold on. Amazon owned by Jeff Bezos. How is he related to China? Yeah, I mean, he is not uh, in the book, um, but there was a news report that came out just a couple months ago that 
Amazon is censoring content um, on its platform to appease the Chinese Communist Party. They've got a former uh, Barack Obama spokesman uh, who handles communications there now. And of course, Amazon gets a huge amount of its revenue from um, people in China selling their goods to Americans. Um, Bezos doesn't fit the profile as, as Gates and some of the others do. I haven't seen him say anything particularly favorable about China or praising the leadership. But yes, uh, their economic fortunes are definitely tied to Beijing. No question. Before you leave, I have to go to one of my favorite people who is Musk and his electric cars, because I did an entire podcast on the real cost of electric cars and electric batteries and where the parts come from and the slave labor in, in Africa. And uh, it, it really should have created a bigger stir. He's the only one who actually looked at that in, in such depth. I want to talk about Tesla and SpaceX. But you name people here in uh, Silicon Valley. Of course, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, the Google boys, Jack Dorsey, Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. Are they all, all of them, in love with totalitarianism? Well, I don't know if they're in love, but they're certainly in lust, um, at least uh, uh, most of those. Um, there are quotations in the book. Uh, oftentimes, by the way, this is on Chinese state media, so they, 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 they don't dare say this uh, in the United States, or if they do, um, they'll do it in a sort of very reserved way. But um, it's mostly on Chinese state media, and, and they have all done it uh, to varying degrees. They've also enabled the regime. I mean, Google and Microsoft both sponsor artificial intelligence research that's uh, linked to the Chinese military. Um, Microsoft actually accepts interns from the People's Liberation Army. Oh, God. Um, so they, they, are, they are wedded. They are wedded to uh, this regime. And when, you know, when confronted with the fact that uh, they are aiding and abetting the Chinese military, um, they just ignore the conversation. They don't want to have that conversation. Zuckerberg, we start look, what, having that look, what, look, what, look what Peter writes on page 119 in the chapter on Silicon Valley and Red Handed. Zuckerberg's Facebook teamed up with Google in 2016 to build an undersea cable that would link San Francisco and therefore the United States with Hong Kong, China, and other locations in Asia, the so-called Pacific Light Cable Network, would provide better internet and data services to their customers. Did that ever go through? It didn't go through because they started building it, and they hired actually a Chinese contractor who was linked to the Chinese military to build it. The Trump administration blocked it, especially the FBI and the Department of Justice. Unbelievable. They looked at this cable and they said, this is going to create, quote unquote, unprecedented opportunities for espionage, spying on America. So, you know, I'm so you know, here, I'm here's the question. Yeah. I was just going to say, Michael, here's a question like, really, do we think that Mark Zuckerberg and the Google guys didn't know that? Of course they knew that. Of course they knew that it was going to create opportunities for espionage. They understand technology. The bottom line is they didn't care. They didn't care. That's the problem here. They don't care. You know, Peter, before you go, I know you've got very limited time. Years ago, when I was a young boy, there was a play by Arthur Miller called, I think, All My Sons. Do you remember that play? Does anyone remember that play? It became a movie. Uh, and it was about a military contractor during World War II who was making engines for the U.S. Air Force. And he was cutting corners. It wasn't that he was, a, uh, let's say, working in cahoots with Nazi Germany. He was an American manufacturer, I think, of pistons or cylinders for the U.S. Uh, Air Force. And he cut corners uh, in making these uh, these engines for the planes. And I think it's called All My Sons. And the whole play is between the father played by Edward G. Robinson and one of the sons who survives, Burt Lancaster, who, when he finds out his father made the engine, a defective engine, that caused his other son, who was a fighter pilot, to die in a crash. The son says to his father, have you no conscience? How could you do that? What kind of a man are you anyway? Kids hanging in the air by those cylinders, and you knew it. Oh, I was so proud of you. You were helping us to win, and you were worried about your business. Don't you have a country? Don't you think about people? Don't you live in the world? Haven't you got a heart? Oh, what must I do to you? What must I do to you? You know, it reminds me of this book in some ways. Maybe they don't really 
know that they're working in cahoots to destroy this country and kill their own children and grandchildren and the nation itself. Maybe they're just so blinded by the greed, almost as Icarus was blinded by the sun. And it's only when their feathers finally fall off and they fall to earth that they will realize what they have done, but it will be too late, Peter. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to get into the mind and understand the psychology. Uh, they've got to be aware at some level intellectually what they're doing. They're too smart for it. The question is, as you say, are they, con- have they working actively to convince themselves that this is going to somehow accomplish some greater, you know, good that they somehow are going to influence the Chinese room. God knows what it is. But the point is, is the best, the best that you can say is they're being terribly naive. The worst that you can say is that they're fully aware that they know what they're doing, the impact of what they're doing, and they just don't care. In this amazing book, which everyone really has to read, actually, it should become almost a Bible because the more I speak with you, the more I realize that Trump really was the one man who almost saved this country. And I know that so many people are disenamored of President Trump. I'm not, by the way. He's going to be on this show. I just got the word before you came on today. It's been hard to get him back on. I mean, I've been with him on Air Force One. I genuinely like the man, and I think he is as honest as they come, considering he's a politician. But the fact is, I'm going to bring up some points from your book when he's on here about that cable on the sea cable and how his government stopped it. He probably won't even remember it. But this man almost single-handedly saved this nation. And for that, he was rewarded with the most horrendous attacks I've ever seen inflicted upon a human being. And he survived it. Let's hope he continues to survive it. And I, I, Peter, we're talking about what to do. Frankly, I think it's going to take an act of God to get a politician in power who's not sold out to China, who will come in and clean house. But more than cleaning house and stopping the deals, I think that there needs to be some consequences for this. And I think we have to leave it at that because I'm not in the Justice Department, nor are you. I agree with you 100 um, percent. This is this is not, as they say, a victimless crime. Uh, this is a crime that has huge consequences for all of us. Um, like you, I mean, I'm not a uh, Department of Justice uh, prosecutor, but this needs to be looked at and investigated. And we need to have open hearings and transparency so people know the full extent of the collaboration that has taken place between these elites and the regime in Beijing. Peter Schweitzer book is red handed how American elites get rich helping China win, not how they got rich, but how they get rich. You should say I should say how they're getting richer. It's an amazing book. It's more than a book. It's a message that America needs to hear and read and share with others before the midterm elections, because it may be our last chance to save this poor republic. Peter, all I can say is I admire you enormously. You know, there used to be a reporter back in the 60s that everyone admired. Who was that investigative reporter? Jack, I think we talked about him before. You probably grew up reading his stuff in the newspapers. Jack Anderson? Yes, yes. Was it Remember Jack, Jack? Jack Anderson? Yeah. Now, I, I guess he was to the left. Who you even knew? But he was always exposing government corruption. You seem to be the only one left who's doing it. You are the only, Amer- one of the few, not the only. I mean, Breitbart has some great people and some others, but you seem to be one of the few left who's not only able to, but willing to with your, t- how many people work with you on these books and digging up this information? I'm a writer. I don't know how you get it all together in life like this. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm fortunate because I'm not under a tight byline, you know, deadline that a lot of pe- a lot of reporters are. I've also got a great team. I've got 13 researchers. So we're able to go into Chinese records, Hong Kong corporate documents, legal cases, et cetera. It takes a lot of digging. This, Thir- this wait, book where it handed took a uh, year and a half. Peter, you have 13 researchers and your yes. organization is, enti- is called, wait a minute, is it a nonprofit that you run? It is. It's a 501c3, the Government Accountability Institute. Can people donate to it? I've never even asked. Yes. Yep. People donate to it. We've got uh, large and small donors uh, and they're interested in, in, in clean government and they're interested in exposing people and we're very fortunate because we expose people on both sides of the aisle and the people that support us want us to exactly do that. Government Accountability Institute. They can find it online. Peter, how? Yes, uh, you can go to uh, 
uh, our, our uh, site that's for the podcast, which is thedrilldown.com, or you can go to uh, just Google Government Accountability Institute and you'll go straight to the website. Well, I hope everyone listening buys the book and makes a donation because without you, I don't know what's going to be left in this country much longer. It's very distressing. This has been a very enlightening and invigorating discussion with you. I can't say it's been easy, Peter, because as it is, I don't sleep very well at night worrying about what's coming and what's going on and how corrupt yep. these people are. And, you know, when I say corrupt, you know what comes to my mind? I see the face of Diane Feinstein. That's what you go to sleep thinking of. Oh, my God, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, but that's the face that I see. It's like a face from hell and nothing seems to be changing at all. Red handed Peter Schweitzer. All I can say is God bless America and God, God bless you, Peter, because you're going to need God's blessings after this one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Michael. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. Thanks again, Peter. Good luck. Take care now. All right. Thank you. Take care, Michael. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Now, here's something interesting. During my interview with Peter Schweitzer, I happened to mention an old interview that I did with Nancy Pelosi from 1998 that was found in my Savage Nation vault. My Savage Premium Club members got to hear a short sample of it earlier as an exclusive piece for club members. Many members requested to hear the entire interview with Nancy Pelosi on a future podcast and that's what I'm giving to everyone today. This is something that you will not get from anyone else in the entire media. Okay, here it is. This is Thursday before the big Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I've got a big barbecue planned. I'm sure you do, too. And your mind is probably a million miles away from China and slave labor camps. But I have to ask you again. It's just I'm that kind of guy. Are you now a good German, too? I did this yesterday. I'm going to do it again. And Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi is waiting on line 10 live. She seems to be the only living Congresswoman in the House. She seems to be the only legislator in America who understands that at the end of the road, we have to answer to God. And we have a conscience. If we have a conscience, as this good lady does, we have to answer for that conscience. And at the end of this program, when you find out definitively as to whether there are slave labor camps in China, as Harry Wu contends, how many people are in them, whether human organs are harvested. We have videotape, by the way, that was smuggled out. If you can still sit there and say you didn't know and therefore you didn't say anything, then you are no better than the Germans who said we didn't know there were death camps in our neighborhood. Now, this goes for all stripes, conservative, liberal, libertarian, agnostic, atheistic, religious. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we ask the questions of our media. Why are you not holding Clinton's feet to the fire on human rights abuses in China? Congresswoman Pelosi, welcome to the Savage Nation. Hi, how are you, Michael? Nice to be with you again. Well, we disagree on many things, but we <laughs> always agree on this terrible, terrible issue, Congresswoman. And I have to ask you, because many people don't believe me, how do we know for sure that there are slave labor camps in China. Well, any doubts that anyone has had by, uh, should be allayed by the fact that uh, to, in the Wall Street Journal today, Adidas is saying, or maybe it was yesterday's paper, that uh, they, um, they concede that some soccer balls were likely made by Chinese prisoners. Oh, my God, I didn't see that. Uh, it, 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 it was in the, uh, yesterday, actually. Uh, so, I mean, not that we needed that verification. It's interesting about slave labor camps. The, most people did not know that there were gulags in the Soviet Union until um, uh, they read about it, you know, obviously in the um, uh, Sakharov's writing, et cetera. But, but it, 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 and, of course, Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago. Gulag Archipelago. But the, the, um, the, the, the Soviets always did a very good job of keeping that undercover. And the Chinese government is the same. It does an excellent job of keeping its dark side uh, hidden, and this dark side includes a... It is quite conclusive. But Con Congresswoman Pelosi, here's the question. I know they exist because Harry Wu was in one for, what, 16 years? 19 years. 19. He was on this program. I think he's a great American. In fact, I had him on the show last July 4th. And he's a wonderful, wonderful human rights activist. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't make this up. And, of course, he's posted his own website, which literally shows every camp in China. But here's the question that disturbs me. 
Where has our fourth estate gone on this? Congresswoman, I haven't seen in the entire trip to China not one newspaper person sending out a report from China saying, but there was no mention of the slave labor camps. But Mr. Clinton failed to bring up the issue of the slave. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that they covered the summit and that the issues were not brought up by the American side. Uh, I think that we almost should have a parallel visit to China, uh, which says that when the president was in Xi'an, the ancient capital, the beautiful archaeological dig of the soldier, the clay soldiers, the terracotta soldiers, that he, uh, if you had driven just a few miles away from there, would have seen a, uh, not a prison labor camp, but a, a factory where 20,000 uh, Chinese laborers are paid $60 a month to make the tail section of the Boeing 737 uh, uh, production that was previously uh, carried on in Wichita, Kansas. So um, they did not show the whole God. picture of China when they talked about uh, the great, wanted to see the Great Wall of China. Uh, they could talk about the Great Wall of China's barriers to products made in America. Most products made in America do not have ac- any access to the Chinese market. And, and President Clinton's term alone, the trade deficit will be a quarter of a trillion dollars by the end of this year. And, of course, we know when the president was reviewing the troops in Tiananmen Square, they are the same troops that brutally occupy Tibet, which repress dissent in China and which proliferate weapons of mass destruction throughout the world. Nancy, you're a liberal Democrat and, a, and in good standing, and obviously you're friendly with Senator Feinstein and Senator Boxer, and I'm not going to ask you to take a position against them. How can they, how can they, in good faith, I know they have other things on their mind, but nevertheless, they certainly have a public that follows them. They claim to be interested in human rights and civil rights and all sorts of uh, uh, issues to do with human dignity. How come they're silent uh, on this issue? Well, I, I believe they come by their views, honestly, but you're going to have to talk to them about it. It's impossible. I, they won't talk to us. Well, the, the, um, I think Senator Feinstein's views are very clear, that she believes that, uh, that, that we shouldn't be criticizing China, but being actively engaged there. And I agree. I agree we should have active engagement, but it should be honest, effective, and sustainable of our values, of our economy, of, an, of, an, of international security. And uh, I'm, what I'm very afraid of in this um, a summit is that, uh, as you know, the, the Chinese dealt the president several blows before he even got off the ground from uh, Air Force One, got off the ground in the U.S. by saying, no, we're not going to do anything to lower tariffs. No, we're not going to sign any agreement to stop proliferating weapons of mass destruction. And no, we're not going to sign at this time and it, the Convention on Civil and Political uh, Rights of the U.N. But Nancy Pelosi, I, I, look, I don't mean to interrupt you. I want to have a, a spirited dialogue because we're on the same wavelength here. I have to ask you this again. You are a skilled politician. You've been around a long time. You grew up in a political family uh, back east. When in history has the fourth estate failed to be a critic of any administration like this? I haven't seen it. I think that uh, the uh, uh, spinning uh, by the administration and indeed also by the Chinese regime has been very, very effective. We must never underestimate the public relations um, apparatus of the White House. Uh, somebody said, oh, they blew us, they blew the critics out of the water. Well, who are we? <laughs> the lowly us versus the uh, presidential uh, spinmeisters. But, uh, but I, I do believe that uh, uh, they have been in some ways seduced uh, by this trip to China, and it's unfortunate. But I, I think that they will take a second look, and I'm optimistic that they will. After the bl- bloom is off the rose of this trip, and people are home, and we celebrate the 4th of July, and we we reflect upon the, the founding fathers' idealism about uh, uh, freedom and human rights for all people, uh, that uh, we'll say, begin to judge this trip by its results. Nancy Pelosi, you, if you keep up this rhetoric, you're liable to convert me into a liberal. Be careful. <laughs> well, now, the thing is, is that, you know, I have been willing to be the, the, the bad cops, everybody's good cops. Even His Holiness the Dalai Lama and some of the dissidents and the rest, because they can only say what they can say, and uh, without uh, destroying their their dialogue. But why are you so vehement on this issue? I've got to find out more about it because, you know, we learned from this trip. Remember, Nixon went there quite a while ago. He was the first American president to go to China, and this trip reminds me that Karl Marx did get one thing right: history happens twice. First is tragedy, and again is farce. And I think that we're seeing almost the equivalent between Clinton and Zhang as Molotov and von Ribbentrop 
uh, in reincarnation. It's another great moment in the history of cynicism, and yet you seem to be the least cynical politician uh, on the planet. And I hope you'll stay with us a bit more to elucidate your views and tell us personally why you feel so strongly. Because, Nancy Pelosi, you don't have to be doing this. You don't have to be putting yourself out on a limb. I don't know why you're doing it. I'd like to find out, and I hope you'll share that with us. Uh, Listeners, you're listening to KSFO Radio. This is Michael Savage. We are very lucky today because Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi has pulled herself away from buying food for the barbecue on Saturday and whatever else I'm doing this day and tomorrow for my 70-person barbecue. And I'm serious. She's taking the time out to be with you, and I hope you'll take the time out to listen to her. We'll be back. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. And my favorite liberal is now with us. Nancy Pelosi, welcome back. Hi, how are you, Michael? You know, if this gets around that uh, you're on my show and I I uh, have... The third time, I think. And I, I had drinks with Willie Brown twice now. Oh, my God. I don't know what's going to happen next, but, um, you know, if, if Senator McCain... Can, uh, can be friendly with Senator Lieberman. I think it's okay for you and I to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Feingold, or even more liberal Democrat, McCain Feingold. By, by the way, the Weekly Standard says that uh, McCain is running for president and the, he's the media's favorite Republican. Did you read that story? I haven't seen that, no, but I wouldn't be surprised. With the tobacco legislation and the uh, campaign finance reform, he has been center stage for a while now. I like him a great deal. I really respect the man, and he'll, he'll probably be on the show with us next week. But getting back to China, okay. uh, why are you so personal? Because you seem to be personally animated by this story. I mean, it's not just an issue like tobacco. Uh, it's personal with you, isn't it? Well, I do have a very uh, serious concern about the prisoners. And uh, as I may have said, uh, that uh, one of my concerns about this summit is that President Clinton and President Zhang are attempting to relegate Tiananmen Square Massacre as an episode in the past rather than a condition in the present that persists as long as the dissidents are still in prison. So nine years ago, many of us were committed to uh, getting those prisoners freed. And as long as they're in prison, we will be relentless in our advocacy for it. I guess it all started, in answer to your question about is it personal, it all started when I was a teenager and read the diary of Anne Frank and immediately went to my parents and said, did you know that this was all going on at that time? Hmm. And um, I've been asking that question ever since. It's been a long time since I've been a teenager, so I've been asking the question for 40 years. Hmm. Did everybody know that this was happening? And we say things like, never again, and we say, nunca mas, in terms of the atrocities in Latin America uh, in the last uh, several decades. But in fact, when um, uh, repression continues right before our eyes and we do have leverage to stop it, there seems to be what is called the cruel apathy uh, that sets in. And uh, I believe that where we do have leverage, we should use it to help free prisoners who are arrested for their religious or political conviction. And I guess it all started with my reading the diary of Anne Frank. But uh, I also think that at this, around the time of the 4th of July, uh, the... Um, uh, we are reminded of the greatness of our country and that we are different and that just because other countries do not take the initiative that we should not lead. The risk of it all, Michael, is though it sounds very sanctimonious and self-righteous, but that's a risk you have to take, I guess. Well, what about this? The Taiwan issue which was, to me, the only outcome that shocked me. In other words, all the others I figured he had been, uh, Clinton had already uh, more, more or less worked out the fact that none of this would change on the trip. It was a good public relations. Done fine. Politicians do that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't expect him to sell Taiwan down the river. And frankly, when it happened, I was stunned by, by another happening. The headlines should have read, banner headlines across America, Clinton abandons Taiwan. Don't you think so? I think so. I think that the uh, president's statement was absolutely astounding. Um, also, the fact that he criticized Japan while on Chinese soil. It's unbelievable to me. That was very undiplomatic of the president when he was being exquisitely diplomatic in his characterization of Chinese government, the Chinese government's behavior. But on the subject of Taiwan, uh, the three no's, no independence, uh, one China, no two Chinas, and no um, a, a membership of, the Taiwan, of Taiwan in any international organizations, uh, saying that so bluntly and openly in China 
uh, I think was a real slap at Taiwan. I did see one cartoon which had the, the White House and then the welcome mat outside the front door was the Taiwan flag, the flag of Taiwan. Oh, my God. So well, it's you- pretty telling. But, but this, uh, this um, deliberate ambiguity that we have been engaged in on Taiwan to, to not strengthen one hand or the other of each side, China or Taiwan, has been um, had been effective. If the ch- president was making this declaration about the three no's, he should have added the fourth no and no use of force on the part of the Chinese uh, against Taiwan. Well, the Taiwanese people... the Taiwan's hand at the bargaining table. I don't think that the Taiwanese people are simply going to lay down should there be a, a military confrontation, nor do m- most analysts who I've spoken with. But that isn't the issue, is it? The issue is that their ally, America, has suddenly abandoned them publicly and un- unequivocally. I don't know how that could happen without a roar coming from Ameri- from the Congress. I think that you will see. I think when people uh, come back, Congress is out, so this is an advantage to the president because everyone is all dispersed. When Congress comes back in session and people take a second look at this visit and see what Clinton, President Clinton has has wrought on this trip, regardless of whether you agree with his policy on China or his going on the tri- what, what the proper results of this trip should have been. I don't think anyone was prepared uh, for this uh, slap at Taiwan, and uh, I, you know I'm not actively involved in the Taiwan-China issue, although I'm quite familiar with it. And I, I, as I say, I was stunned by what President Clinton had to say in China about Taiwan. We have always advocated peaceful unification. And I believe that president, the president's statement, especially about Taiwan not being able to join any international organizations, will embolden the advocates for independence in Taiwan and indeed uh, um, heighten the tension rather than diminish it. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi will be with us for about 10 more minutes, at which point when we return from these commercial breaks, we're going to take two callers. We'll be right back on KSFO. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Well, back uh, in the 70s, we had Nixon and Mao Zedong, which was history. It's now followed by Clinton and Zhang, which is only a sequel. It's sort of a bit like seeing the third man remade as a musical comedy. But there isn't too much comedy in the slave labor camps, as Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi will tell you. And Congresswoman, welcome back to The Savage Nation. Hi, Michael. Nice to be back with you. And, uh, you know, this is... I want to just step back from our dialogue for a moment to say it, it takes two wings of a bird to fly. I've said that, a right wing and a left wing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, re, no, I, respect, I respect the other side when it has integrity, just as they respect the right wing when it's not lun, lun, the lunatic fringe. And the integrity is, seems to be missing. Nancy Pelosi, who are, what other voices in Congress are being raised uh, about the slave labor camps other than yours? Well, I believe that there's a large coalition of Democrats and Republicans who are aware of, can document, and are speaking out against the slave labor camps. Uh, we have been ignored largely because it's in, it's not, uh, uh, economically uh, beneficial to certain companies <laughs> in America for us to speak up. But uh, I, w- I don't want to give the impression that I think that the people who do not support what we're doing are not without their own principles as well. They just have a disagreement in tactic. But unfortunately, um, uh, for example, this trip can sometimes do more harm than good if it anoints the regime. Yes, but China. it's legitimizing a totalitarian regime. And also relegating Tiananmen Square Massacre to the the past, as I mentioned before, so um, uh, the, it's, it's a series of missed opportunities, and, in, and unfortunately, can do more harm than good because now uh, people in the U.S. will think, "Well, uh, I said President Clinton did enough, talked enough about human rights and freedom in China to satisfy uh, domestic, the U.S. domestic consumption." But nothing but changed to change anything in China. Ironically, the cartoonists have gotten it right. There have been so many cartoons of uh, the last few days which have shown the of some of these statements. But let's hope for the best. The president has said human rights is now important in our relationship before it was relegated to a minor item. So now let's see. He's extended a hand of friendship to the Chinese regime. Let's see how they respond to that, and then we can measure uh, the success of this summit. Well, you know, when Reagan went to, 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 to the Soviet Union, he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Uh, you know, he took a chance with the, with the Soviet Union. Why couldn't President Nixon have said, has said, Mr. Zhang, 
open up the slave labor camps? I mean, would the world have come to an end? Well, it's in, in fact, it would have been most appropriate. In fact, the president said, um, remove your trade barriers. The Repub- the, 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 <laughs> uh, the um, regime said no. But it would have been great if President Clinton would say, take down your, um, your trade barriers, uh, open, your, open your markets, and open your prisons for those who are there as prisoners of conscience. How wonderful that would have been. Open your markets. Okay, that's what we're all about, the U.S., I guess. But then open your prison uh, um, doors and let the prisoners free who are there because of religious or political conviction. Well, you know, you remind me of something, and I'm not a very religious man, but the uh, biblical statement that what good does it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? If ever there was an apt uh, example of it, I mean, we're gaining the world in economics. We're doing a wonderful job of that, but we, we seem to be losing our soul as Americans, and that's what you and I are talking about. Maybe we're from another generation. We've got time for one call, Todd in a car. Incidentally, if you want to speak with uh, me, Michael Savage, about the China issue after Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi leaves us in a few moments, you can call me at 808-5600. Right now, Todd in a car is the lucky caller. Thanks, Michael. Yes. And it's an honor to talk to you, a leader in uh, our nation. Uh, you stated publicly this morning on the letter deficient statement uh, station that uh, you were a big supporter of Clinton's. Now, I've just got to ask and take you to task on this. You know, you've got him abandoning uh, your side of the issue on China. Uh, he's abandoned the homosexuals here in the Bay Area. Uh, he's been all of but proven to be a womanizer. And issue after issue, this guy has let you guys down. And I just got to ask you, where's your credibility? And how can you guys stand up and support this guy when he's let us down so many times? When I just don't understand how you can support him and publicly state that you still support this guy after all of these issues. Well, I do believe that President Clinton's um, presidency is worth the trouble. I think he's done many good, and I appreciate, Todd, your, your very uh, uh, informed, informed question. I believe he's worth the trouble. Uh, from my perspective, I think he's done many good things in terms of the economy, in terms of the budget, in terms of education, in terms of protecting the environment. So uh, there are many issues, and I'm not a single-issue person. Just because I disagree with somebody on an issue doesn't mean that I abandon them. But I do think that uh, we must insist on integrity as an issue. And uh, I, I think that if, if I ever were to depart from somebody because I disagreed on an issue, it would be on the integrity issue. If you're telling the truth about an issue, whatever your position is, I have to respect your view, as I hope you would respect mine. Well, as I say, this uh, is another great moment in the history of cynicism. He's not the first president to have uh, elected himself to that to that position but nancy pelosi on this issue you are a voice but you're not in the wilderness <laughs> and i certainly appreciate i certainly appreciate your continuous uh, uh uh you know thumping and banging and screaming about it because otherwise it would be lost and they the voices of those people in those slave labor camps are not going to be forgotten so long as we have a radio program. I'm so glad to hear that. Thanks, Michael. And Nancy Pelosi in Congress. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Bye now. Happy Fourth of July. Yeah, we're going to have fun, but we can't set off fireworks, can we? That's wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I wish I could set off fireworks. That would be fun. I want to have some M80s. I want to have some sparklers. When I was a kid, I ran around with sparklers on July 4th. I ran and ran and ran until my legs didn't move. All into the night. I didn't seem to set the farm on fire. Michael Savage, a host like no other. I mentioned earlier that Biden's China problem was not a new problem. Back in September of 2020, I happened to have spoken with Peter Schweitzer about this very same problem. And here it is. This is the Savage Nation, and we're going to talk about Biden. Now, we're not allowed to mention the fact that Pelosi's uh, good friend, Mr. Biden, and his son have made a fortune in their actions in Ukraine and China. And a very brave man is out there. He's the author of Profiles in Corruption, and his name is Peter Schweitzer. Well-known, amazing man, and he has a new documentary out at BidenFilm.com called Riding the Dragon, The Biden's Chinese Secrets. I cannot wait to hear what Peter has to say. He joins us now on the Savage Nation. Peter, welcome to the program. Hats off to you, Peter. You got a lot of nerve. Well, thank you, Michael. It's always great to be on with the uh, on the show with you and uh, and to break bread. So, thanks for having me. But, but honestly, Peter, before we get into your 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 documentary exposing the corruption of the Bidens, which has been swept aside by the Soviets and the media, 
because I don't call them anything else now but the Soviets and the media, and of course it's very accurate. We're not allowed to ask about Hunter Biden. We're not allowed to ask about the Biden family and their, their ties to Ukraine and China. Yet you have put together an entire video on this. What's it about? Yeah, it's, uh, it's looking at um, the financial economic relationship between the Chinese government, not Chinese companies, the Chinese government and the Biden family. And, uh, Michael, it's all based on court documents, business records. Um, it, there's no speculation here. There's no anonymous sources. We both know how popular anonymous sources are in the media today. It's none of that. We have a paper trail. And what it shows, Michael, is two things. Number one, that when Joe Biden was appointed the point person on U.S. policy towards China by Barack Obama, months after that, his son started securing big, big deals in China that he had no background in, no qualifications for. And second of all, and this is important, Michael, because this is not just uh, the Chinese takeout version of corruption. This is very important. This is not just a story of a family getting rich. The deals that Hunter Biden did that he participated in materially benefited the Chinese military. So this is not a so-called victimless crime. The victim here is the United States and our national security interests. Peter, let me ask you two things. First of all, your story is verified. It's documented. It's a big story. Of course, you're being boycotted by the media, correct? Uh, that's correct. There's been few glimmers, uh, but, but just glimmers. That's been it. Has 60 Minutes asked you on? No, no. The only, the only mainstream media outlets that have looked at this a little bit was the news side of the Wall Street Journal back in 2018 when I first started working on this. And ABC News uh, looked at it a little bit. But the problem is, Michael, is they take the words of, of the Biden's lawyer, uh, they take his word uh, as truthful. Uh, so he offers a rebuttal that is flat out full of lies. And, and the problem is we have documents that directly contradict what their lawyer is telling them. But unfortunately, the media seems all too willing to just accept what team Biden. Well, they don't want anything to touch Joe Biden before the election. They want the hologram in the basement to be Trump at all costs and at any cost. And so, of course, they ignore you. But I think this is too big a story. And I have to ask you, you know, you put this documentary together. I apparently been working on it for a couple of years. This is not to test your veracity or question it at all. Who's funding this? Who funded this this documentary? Because there's no money in it for you. Yeah, no, there isn't. Um, I was not paid for this documentary. So well, we had some uh, private individual donors. Uh, I can't reveal their names, but um, these are just citizens that are concerned about what's going on in the country um, and felt like this needs to be exposed. And when you watch the doc documentary, Michael, we are all about we don't tell you anything. We show you everything. So we lay out what the deals were. We show you the documents. We show you the evidence. Uh, we show you what those deals were about. And then what we also show you, Michael, is how Joe Biden is on a complete island by himself when it comes to his views about China. We, we have all kinds of clips in the film from, you know, Trump administration officials, from, uh, uh, you know, Barack Obama's national security advisor. Everybody's saying China is a threat. China ch is challenging the United States. They want to replace the United States on the global stage. The person on the island by himself is Joe Biden, who has said for more than a decade, China is no threat. We should welcome their rise as a power. Um, they're nothing to be worried about. Uh, we should accept them as friends. Um, he's completely out of even what the so-called foreign policy establishment believes on China. And the question is why? Uh, and we believe the reason why is that Joe Biden's family has been made wealthy because of these commercial deals that they've enjoyed with the Chinese government. It's astounding that this is so, so naked. Now, you authored the 2015 book, Clinton Cash, the yeah. untold story of how and why foreign governments and business help make Bill and Hillary rich. Yeah. Uh, you've written about Hunter's business dealings in China, but you're making an allegation here that Hunter was only able to get meetings with Chinese officials and secure $1 billion in funding because of his father. How did it benefit the Chinese military? Where? On the, on the um, rare metal deal with the China Libidum Company? Yeah, ex that's exactly right. So, you know, real quick, Hunter Biden 
who has no background in private equity, gets a billion-dollar deal funded by the Chinese government to establish an investment firm called BHR Partners. Uh, and this is a deal that, by the way, nobody else had. Not Goldman Sachs, not UBS, all the big guys on Wall Street. Nobody had it. The Chinese decided to give this money and this deal through the Shanghai Free Trade Zone to one and one person only, and that is the son of the vice president who has no background in China and no background in private equity. What they do with that billion dollars, which is later expanded to $1.5 is they start acquiring companies. And they start acquiring companies that uh, dovetail perfectly with the interests of the Chinese military. So Hunt, think about this for a second, Michael. Hunter Biden, the son of the sitting vice president, his firm becomes an anchor investor in something called CGN, China General Nuclear, which is an atomic energy company. Mm. Uh, they are an anchor investor in that company. Within a year, our FBI charges CGN with stealing nuclear secrets in the United States. Oh, God. The company executive pleads guilty. And what they're stealing, Michael, are the nuclear secrets related to these small reactors that we put on our submarines. The Chinese military oh. doesn't have them. We have them. You're kidding me. So did they steal them from us and they now have it? Well, they, they absolutely. They stole uh, systems relating to the, to the piping system of how that functions, other facets of it. Another deal they did. So think about this again. The son of the vice president on the board of directors of this Chinese investment firm, they bought half of an American company called Hennigan. The other half is bought by AVIC, which is the Chinese state-owned military aviation contract. So that's the company that builds all their fighter jets and airplanes that are aimed at us. So these two entities, Hunter Biden's firm and AVIC, buy Hennigus, which is a Michigan-based machine tools company that creates uh, products related to anti-vibration technologies. And these are what are called dual-use technologies. As you know, that means mm. be used for civilian purposes or mm -hmm. military purposes. They buy this company, and what do they do? They ship things and they start building factories, not in Michigan, the United States, back in China, on technologies that have military application. This is the son of the sitting vice president that is you, making money. Pete, Peter, this reminds me of the story when Clinton was president of the former head of the DNC, a man by the name of, was it Schwartz, the head of the DNC? Yeah. Who, you, remember, you remember the scandal? He owned a parking meter company in the Bronx, which he spun into Loral Space and Technologies. And then he sold our technology to China. And he, he told America that this technology would not be used to launch military satellites, but weather satellites only. And then the Chinese turned around and used it to launch military satellites, which threatened our very existence. And yet nothing has ever happened to this gentleman, has it? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And this, this goes to the, the, the nut of what I think is so important. But it's the Democrat Party once again collaborating with our enemies, telling us that they're our friends. Well, and this, and this is the point. I, Michael, you and I have talked many times about corrupt politicians. This is not your typical, you know, give the, the, give the son of some powerful guy a paving contract. This is corruption that aids and abets our military rival, which is China. And that's what is so astonishing about it and why I think it's so important that people need to know about it. This I read that the Chinese Navy is now larger than the U.S. Navy. Is that correct? That's correct. And their, their uh, goal and their calculation is by 2030, they will achieve military superiority over the United States when it comes to naval assets. That's their so where, where does a guy like Hunter Biden, who makes all this money selling America down the, down the river for a profit, where does he go to live when China becomes our enemy? What happens? Well, he, he, uh, uh, he probably uh, spends a lot of time in China. I mean, you find that with a lot of these businessmen on Wall Street, um, but, but they at least, look, you can, you can at least look at a Wall Street guy who's been sort of shilling for China, who's done deals, who lives there, or at least you can argue they have some background in finance. They're dirty, they're selling out their country, but at least they have background. Hunter has no background in this. That's what makes this so astonishing and so blatant. The Chinese have an explicit policy. What do you, look, Peter, I don't doubt you, but it sounds to me like this is almost on the order of espionage, if not worse. And we have a, a Republican president 
we have a Republican attorney general. Why have there been no charges brought against Hunter Biden if all of what you say is true? Well, it's a good question. I always say everything that I uh, report on, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a lawyer, I just report the facts. And everything that I have said is absolutely true and well-documented. And it's a question to me why, for example, we have a Senate committee right now that is looking at Hunter Biden's ties in Ukraine. And, of course, yeah, that's important. But Ukraine's not threatening us. They're not, you know, they're not shadowing and threatening U.S. naval forces. Anymore. Well, they could unleash a, they could unleash a barrage of uh, intercontinental ballistic uh, Poroskis on us. We have to be careful with that one. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so but the Senate committee is focused on Hunter Biden's corrupt dealings in Ukraine, which is great. But my point is China is our chief rival. By 2025, their, chi- their Made in China program is designed to supplant us as the largest economic power in the world. By 2030, their goal is to oh. supplant us as a military superpower. They're the threat. Hunter Biden. And yet, and yet all we hear about is the fake charges against Trump, all made up. No one will deal with the facts you put out in your movie, your, your video, which can be seen by anybody at BidenFilm.com. Does it cost any money to download that, by the way? It's not. It's completely free. We want. We want. I don't. You know. It's amazing. How do you do? How much did a documentary? Can you give me the ballpark of what this documentary cost to make, roughly? I would say the documentary was probably about two hundred thousand dollars. And it's free to watch on 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 your on your. Just you go to bidenfilm.com and we can download it for free. Yes, uh, you can't download it for free, but you can watch it. There are some advertisements in there. Um, uh, I'm not getting paid uh, to do this film. All that money went into to paying for the B-roll uh, and paying the professionals, the director and the, the, the cameraman and people like that. This is Amazing. All- grows out of the work that I did in Secret Empires and Profiles in Corruption. This film company wanted to make it more accessible to more people. That's why we made mm-hmm. it. Pretty amazing. Well, again, I come back to a question I've asked you before, uh, Peter. Aren't you afraid you're dealing with one of the most demonic governments on the planet? They don't hesitate to kill political prisoners. You're dealing with the Biden mafia. Aren't you afraid for your existence? I mean, I, I don't know how else to ask it. Well, you know, Michael, you, you've been in the crosshairs of people, too, and you reach a point in your life when it comes to this kind of work where you just decide it's more important to, to speak the truth and get it out there uh, than it is to worry about this thing. doesn't mean you don't take precautions, um, which, you know, obviously I don't want to go into. But no. We, you know, we have a, I've, I've, what, what about our government? Does our government offer you any, any solace in knowing that they say you're, you're at least right? We're going we're gonna to watch out for you? Did they tell you the FBI will let you know if anyone's out to get you or something like that? What, what I would say, uh, Michael, is that, that um, I do have communication uh, with certain law enforcement entities. Uh, we mm. do our research uh, with those entities, um, and they're aware of the work we do and the challenges it might present. Uh, and I'll just have to leave it like that. God. So you're a true investigative journalist, one of the last left in this nation. And it's actually frightening. I'm going to watch it over the weekend. It's uh, unbelievable. Riding the Dragon, the Biden's Chinese secrets, new documentary exposing the corruption of the Biden's actions in China. See it for yourself at BidenFilm.com. Peter Schweitzer, take care of yourself. It's great to talk with you on The Savage Nation. Thank you, Michael. Always great to be on. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.